ready for this. I got one thing to say. Just happen to be the greatest wrestling machine alive. It's all here. What a mega matchup! Universal Wrestling Podcast. I like this kind of party, baby. Back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick Dieterding. On this episode, we continue our conversation with former WWE writer Andrew Goldstein. And yes, Kyle from the Apron Bump Podcast is here once again. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Here we go. Gotta talk about ECW one night stand. I think you were there for that, right? Uh, yeah, I have great, I have great stories, dude. Paul, let's hear it. Whatever you got, I want to hear. It. Paul was great. Paul was great, man. He he loved me. I mean, obviously, like Jewish kid from Philly, like we hit, <laughs> we hit it off, and like he also, you know, like I didn't move to Connecticut. They kind of require you to, and so I would sometimes he would drive me back to the city. So like we we hit it off, and. um it wasn't the best thing for me because Paul had some stink to him and where I was like, if you were Paul's boy, that did not reflect great on you. Um, and he kept trying to bring me over to ECW, which again, like Stephanie McMahon, who was like in charge of creative at the time, like, oh, Paul likes this kid. Well, now enemy number one, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at that time, like Paul was a lightning rod and he, he was very, you know, four months in or whatever he quit or slash was fired and that's a famous story where of you know the the elimination chamber and wanting punk to go over and blah 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 hammerstein ballroom yeah in your backyard very early on in my time at wwe where like vince still like i was new guy vince thought i was cool i produced like kevin thorne vignettes in like the bowels of yeah hammerstein ballroom which is cool and vince watched them and thought they were good and gave me like the like a compliment which was great but the coolest part about that whole thing was my job during the show was to sit ringside at a table with a headset connected to vince and kevin they wanted me to translate the chants because they couldn't understand them where back in gorilla or in the truck i would literally be on a headset they're saying you fucked up they're like what are they saying now and i'll be like um, rough ones like fuck you Heyman." so i'm just literally just like mouthing that and i (laughs) i always remember i got um i got sabu blood on me possible hepatitis yeah and, uh, sorry Some herbs. <laughs> if you're gonna get hepatitis from anybody it's gotta be sabu sabu yeah yep. it was just like big blood splatter on me but um yeah <laughs> that was that was like a cool memory i look back on i'm just like um vince they're saying you you um <laughs> you know it's like what what are like the most grotesque um, i remember uh randy orton faced kurt angle on that show I believe, oh yes and they yes. were chanting at orton go fuck cena yeah, so I'm just like, okay, uh, they're saying go fuck Cena. What? Oh, okay, they're just like they just <laughs> wanted like clarity to know exactly what. Yeah. The- so I was that was like my job during the show. 
but um, did he respond or it was just like this is nope. what they're saying he just no, they okay. wanted to know know for sure you know what was being yeah. said what was that dude the, like not he wasn't a hardy but he was friends with the hardy uh and more oh shannon Moore. Moore. they shot dave lagana shot shot that whole like series of vignettes with him on the subway like no permits like they just did a <laughs> <gorilla> style. <laughs> Um, it was cool again, like being in a iconic yeah. venue and seeing the bowels of it and using it. Was there still. any ever any intention for ECW to kind of keep that same aura that it had originally, or was it always just to be it's different? No, yeah, sci-fi not. I mean, we all that's what we all wanted, and that's all the stuff that was like being pitched in the room. But then Vince was like, "Well, we're gonna have big, uh, we're we'll do a deal where a uh, big show comes out." <laughs> like nobody <laughs> wants to see the big show. Yeah. And ECW, and they're like, what about? And then um, I remember the email came out and was like, name, get, write down the five people on the roster right now that you think should be in ECW. And so it was just like looking at the, you know, you'd get these roster sheets for Raw and SmackDown, and ECW was so thin, and you'd get your developmental roster, and you'd be like, oh, who can kind of, um reignite that ecw feeling so you know we all put like the coolest five names that we could figure out and then <laughs> you know vince would take those lists and then he'd be like i think matt hardy's gonna be the champion we're like, oh, like <laughs> what are we doing Throw on the bone so and then you know and they had that awful looking world title the gray one it was like a hubcap and um just wasn't wasn't benoit on ecw yeah yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, Benoit had appeared on the original, right? So yeah. there, there was Made a sense. legacy there, and um, it was just Vince was looking to get a you know a rating on a third show. He was not in, interested in like the legacy and the glory of of rebooting ECW the brand. Um, it felt like the guys that weren't doing anything on Raw and SmackDown, ah, just send them to ECW. Yeah, it was like, okay, uh, Chuck Palumbo, he's going to be on <laughs> ECW now. So, um, you know what I'm saying? It just, yeah. it just wasn't fun, and you could see, you could see the life, you know, the, the the sort of life meter. If Paul was a video game character, just like at zero, like he was just, you know, just, and that's why he, that's why he put his foot down at Elimination Chamber, like. CM Punk is a guy I can build around. Let's have him shock the world and beat the big show right out of the gate. And then, you know, at the end of the elimination chamber, you know, five minutes into the elimination chamber, you're going to have a new champion and have, yeah. Punk, and have Punk run the gamut and we build a star. And now the Punk and now CM Punk, this guy, is, he's the face of the new brand. And Vince had no interest in that. And, and Paul died on that hill and said, you know, I, I quit. And he walked out. It all worked out, obviously, for yeah, both, yeah. For both Punk yeah. and Damon <laughs> and Vince, so all three. So yeah. um, it all worked out. But at the time, it was very, it was like a very stressful situation. But um, yeah, I there mean, was no, there was no intention of that of of the reboot of ECW being anything right. but a, yeah, you know, a third a, a third show where they it's just wanted like the NXT to get, before like, NXT almost. Exactly, it was a precursor to all of that. Yeah. yeah. What was it? One hour on Sci-Fi. Yeah, one yeah. hour. I mean, it was another rights deal. It was just like, okay, we're in Good the end point. Universal family. Um, sci-fi is launching this channel, like, and that's you know, like, let's do like some kind of sci-fi storyline. And you know, they took their right, they took their mo- the rights money and made the show. And you could put on a shitty wrestling show and still get eight hundred thousand viewers, and it's better than anything that 
original yeah. that sci-fi is going to put on and NBC Universal's happy. So it it made sense why they did it. Wrestling fans saw it as, oh, this is great. It's the legacy, it's, you know, it's the legacy of ECW. We're just going to be reborn. I mean, yeah. they, there was no interest in doing any of that. Hardcore Holly versus Zack Ryder. ECW. Yeah. That was the other thing too. It was like, again, like give us your five superstars that we can build this brand around. And then he came, he was just like, I think uh, Bob, we're going to send Bob Holly over there. Jesus. Yeah. I bet he was happy. But again, like in the original ECW, if like the lights went out and the lights came back up and Bob Holly was standing in the middle of the ring, yeah. it would kind of be cool. Yeah. It would people be. would go ape shit. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. But um, all. All fun stuff. The yeah. Kelly Kelly, what was it? Expose. Extreme expose. Oh my! I did the I did the um I did the the um strip poker vignettes or oh nice whatever. with Knox right? Yeah, I did I did yeah. uh I did Kelly Kelly's breakup with Kevin Knox where she hit him with the bouquet of flowers. Um, That's dope. I did a lot of Kevin Thorne and um yeah you know, R.I.P. Um, what was her name? His valet. Um, oh, uh, Ariel. Is she? Is she passed away? Ariel. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Jeez. And so, um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, like I said, you know, and then it was fun. It's like guys like Tajiri came back and super yes. crazy, and you did get those cool moments every once in a while where it was just like. But then you know you you'd be at TV and I, and you just look around at dudes doing nothing and it'd be like, there's Irish Roadkill just like earning a paycheck but not on TV. <laughs> right, there's yeah. any touring. Yeah. You know, like and just incredible and like doing nothing, ECW no. guys. Yeah. Though I was a big fan of Marcus Corvon. I mean, more so his TNA work. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the alpha uh, male. The pounce. You mean the pounce? The, the pounce. pounce. That that finisher. Pounce. Man, I Damn. was so sad. That was that over. He become he was he cool. I remember stuff. I remember being on Vince's jet and playing him and we played him VHS tapes of Monty Brown in TNA to be like, do, do you want to sign this guy or not? And then, you know, he doesn't answer to us. He just watched, he just watched like two minutes of it. We turned it off. And then like a month later, it's like, here's Marcus Corvon. Yeah. He's like Taylor made for WWE. One of the all time bad name changes. What you just <laughs> said, Vince on Vince's jet, like that's yeah, that incredible. Cool. That's like another, that, like, that I just popped there, you know? <laughs> That was a cool part of 2000, you know, like that era, because I don't think, again, I don't think creative, I could be wrong. I don't know that that happens now, but we, that was a staple every week. We, we would go to Monday mornings. We went to white plains, got on his plane and flew to TV, unless it was a drivable city. We flew yeah. to TV and then went back to, and then did raw and then got back on his plane and flew to the next town or slept over in the town and flew in the morning. And, you know, we went over the shows on the plane. We had the plane meals. We, you know, we watched his plane demeanor <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, no I was sneezing. I, yeah. I don't, don't uh, put your hands in the peanuts <laughs> and, um, don't, don't get up until he does like all these yeah. like, weird, weird rules that nobody tells you about. Very odd. I certainly have uh, plane stories. Those were, su you know, super, again, surreal. I, again, like, I don't even have pictures because it wasn't like you had yeah. an iPhone. You know, I had like right. a flip phone that had pictures on it 12, 15 years ago. But I don't know, you know, I don't have any of those anymore. But like now yeah. you see you see the writers now and they're posting stuff on social media and this and that. Again, I don't have any of that. I have like n hardly any 
yeah. evidence that I was even there. You have the memories. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you give us one? I mean, is it something PG like you could tell us? Did you wrestle Brock Lesnar on a plane? Yeah. No, I know. I was no, no plane <laughs> ride. Well, I mean, the story I always tell is that I got roped into Unforgiven, um, Vito and the dress, and William Regal is basically the runner in the whole show was William Regal searching for Vito. It was going to culminate in them sort of doing like a Looney Tunes chase in the backstage, and then they turn a corner and run into a, a guy with a hot dog cart. And then they're going to yeah. slip and slide and Regal in a three piece suit is going to slip and slide on the, on the ground and mustard, ketchup, relish, buns, dogs. It was a Michael Hayes idea that I had to be the messenger of to Bruce at TV. Bruce hated the idea, didn't want to shoot it. And because I was the messenger, he was like, all right, well, you're going to be the guy pushing the hot dog cart. And so <laughs> that's that. That basically was a rib, meaning I'm going to get all that stuff all over me. Meanwhile, I had one suit and I had to wear it for the rest of the week or the rest of TVs. And I was flying on Vince's plane. So, you know, we shoot the thing and I knock into Regal with the cart and the cart topples over and he pulls me down. And we're literally like grappling on the ground, like slipping and sliding in the mustard and the ketchup and the relish. And it's all over me. (laughs) And then, you know, you'll cut and the bit's over. And then I'm stuck in this like completely soiled suit. And Johnny Laurinaitis <laughs> is like, don't worry, we'll pay for your dry cleaning. And, you know, and and uh, I had to just like scrape it off. And and then literally of, every, of all the weeks, it was the one week that like Undertaker was on the plane when I got on. And I stepped on the, you know, I got on the plane and Undertaker like lifted his hat up and was like, looked you know like looked me up and down i was like you're gonna get on this man's plane looking like that and i was like oh uh, well mr undertaker i was uh," and he was like just get in the back of the plane and shut up i was like fucking terrified you know yeah i smelled like mustard you know yeah and it was just so i flew i flew to like the next city or flew home you know in a completely soiled suit yeah crying (laughs) not crying but it was just like you know the undertaker had just i mean he was like the fucking judge jury and executioner he's like you know i'm like pissing my pants because you know yeah you're gonna get on this man's plane looking like that if there's one person in the world One person in the world, I wouldn't want to be. I thought he was gonna fucking goozle. I thought he was gonna goozle me and choke slam me. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised um, he didn't. <laughs> but you know, and every once in a while, oh, this is a good one. We had the it was like the rare flight where no none of Vince's minions were on the plane. It was just Vince and us, meaning like the nerdy writers. Yeah. And so because he had nobody to impress, he would like turn his Captain Kirk chair around and like actually engage with us. And Borat had just come out and we were, we were talking about I, what happened was we were all talking about seeing Borat. Vince heard this turned around and was like, God damn pal. I saw, you know, I saw that this weekend. We should be doing, you know, that, God, that he goes, um, that scene where basically when Borat um, brings the, takes a shit and brings it to the table with at the etiquette class or in the cup or whatever. And he's like, Oh, that's the kind of shit we should be doing. Ah, 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 ah. 
<laughs> like he loved the poop humor of it. Yeah. It was just like a surreal moment of being, you know, 30,000 feet in the air talking about Borat with Vince McMahon and him being like, this is the kind of shit you guys should be writing. That shit, you know, when he brought the shit to the table, oh my, you know, he like, he thought it was the funniest stuff. Yeah. Was that the uh, same Unforgiven as John Cena and Edge? Probably. I did. Yeah. I, yeah that was the raw storyline when I was there for sure. Dude, that was the, dope. We did the match in uh, Connecticut or bought in Cena's hometown where Edge threw him in the oh yeah 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 in the water. We did we did the whole um, DX reform reformation of DX and they took over Vince's plane and they spray painted it. I tell that story all the time because um, uh, Snakes on a Plane had just come out. And so we wrote the the raw writing writer, writing team wrote the whole storyline and they get on the plane and, you know, the deface is plane and they, they tear yeah. it up and Vince sees it and he and he turns to camera and he says, get these motherfucking DX off my motherfucking plane, <laughs> which yeah. again would have been hilarious because it would have like called back to the biggest movie in the world. And so we, they pitched it to Vince and he was like, God damn, like, you know, how he goes, how'd that movie do? And it was like three at the box office because it was a comedy and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, why, why would I, why would I reference a movie that's not even number one at the box office? And he, and he took the line out and we we're just like, come on, that's the, that's the button that, yeah. that would have made it yeah. fucking, you know, live forever. Um, but you know, just yeah. funny. you know that's again it's like that's what we did is try to put like current cultural references sort of like weave them into the storylines and make wrestling sort of feel new and current and relevant and again your past again this is 15 years ago so now he's in his upper 70s so imagine trying to oh. convince him to do something yeah current and relevant and and you have to explain to him the joke you know and then, and then, it's, then you get his version of the joke, right? Because yeah. you're, you're like, okay, here's why it's funny now, currently, <laughs> and then he takes that and processes it through his yeah. brain, and it comes out what we, you know, a lot of times what you see on TV, which is just like not all exactly there, comedy wise, because mm-hmm. yeah. it's the seventy three yeah. year old version of that funny thing that happened in the movie. Yeah. The fact that he even watches movies is amazing to me. He seems like a guy that writes and then works out and then sleeps for an hour yeah. and then eats it like three in the morning. But, yeah. you know, again, to his credit, matches like the Jackass match happened this year at WrestleMania and it yeah. was yeah. great. And it didn't feel it didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, it didn't feel like they missed the joke. Yeah, yeah. spot on. Exactly. Did you ever I, get to uh, work the first Union Center? I don't know what it was called yeah, in 2006. I got, do, I got to do Philly, which was great. Was uh, it the FU Center at the time? Uh, I'd have to look it up. It was probably yeah. well, it's Fargo, FU, I, the Spec. No, I, I still good. call it the Spectrum too. So yeah, um, That's yeah, got to do Philly, which is cool. Got to do Boston Garden. Got to do the the Madison Square Garden. Got to do Staples nice. Center. Um, what was it? Another cool one that, I mean, got to do boardwalk hall, which was super cool for me. I'd like kid yeah. going to Atlantic city as a kid. So, um, you know, things like that made the job like super fun, like seeing, again, like seeing the bowels of these like famous buildings and like walking around and exploring and looking at all the memorabilia and, and going into locker rooms and stuff. That was, it was, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually want to like backtrack real quick to ECW just real quick because we talked Do about it. One Night Stand, which is arguably the peak of that rebirth. I got to get your thoughts on December to Dismember. Um, were, were you involved in that at not all? Sure. Or? I, I'm not sure. The, chrono- the chronology of it, I'm not sure. Or maybe I it was, was a year after. I was there in December of 2006, but I don't know that. I'm, I may have if you told me the, the card. Well, that was I the know- Elimination Chamber card but that was like the, literally the only match that was advertised which is crazy if that's the case then yes i was there because i yeah, was yeah. certainly there for the elimination chamber where again paul died on the hill and left december 3rd yeah right. because I, I was there through the new year and then they kind of they let me go like real early in february yeah and, okay. and it, was, it was annoying because i i missed rumble and mania yeah oh man you're almost there so I basically came in right after Mania and left before me, you know, like between, I was like between Mania. So I never did a Mania and I never did a Rumble. I got to do Unforgiven and Unforgiven. Back, Backlash. And, and and the Hall of Fame too was iconic. Yeah. Brett, I mean, Brady. again, yeah, because yeah. I think, I think Dusty went in that year, which oh, he yeah, thanked, baby. And he like broke the rule and thanked the creative team. I wish I had a picture of me and Dusty. But again, yeah. it's like nobody had iPhones like in their hip pocket. So you watch, you watch AEW too? Yeah, yeah. I I enjoy, I, I enjoy. It. I mean, I'm critical for sure. I, of I think course. they make. Yeah. I think they make some big mistakes. Um, product, you know, uh, booking wise and production wise. But what I always say about them is, you watch the two hour show, and you could find a million things wrong with it, but every week they deliver on something that makes you kind of say, holy, you know, like that kind of is a holy shit yeah. moment. And, and that, and I talk about all the time, holy shit moments are like the reason wrestling survives and why wrestling is, you know, it manufactures the, the moments that you rarely get in the regular, in the big four sports, which have those happen organically and you never know when they're going to happen. And they, they're very few and far between, right. The like real holy shit yeah. moments. And wrestling is able to manufacture them. And when WWE really wants to, they're really great at it. Yeah. AEW, week to week, they pretty much give you one a week. Yeah, that's a good point. With Tony's announcement to a debut to something shocking like Sammy winning. Yeah. Yeah. And even if, and even if you extend that to like a holy shit spot, which like a lot of time, you know, like I'm over that as a fan, but like you're always going to get something. If you tune in and stick with it for the two hours, you're going to get something that's like crazy entertaining. Yeah. Right. Like uh, Wheeler Yuta. And that match with John Moxley. Yeah, bloody, or yeah like always like, something. You're gonna get blood. You're gonna get something that you don't see or you haven't yeah. seen in, in a in a long time because they yeah. they let the guys, you know, as as uh, Batista talks about, like WWE took away all all of the wrestlers' toys, right? No yeah. blood, no cursing, no yeah. violence, nothing. And you know, you're in a cage match. You don't use the cage. You're in the elimination chamber. They never touch the cage, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and so you watch AEW and it's like girls are bleeding, guys are bleeding, dudes are taking risks, promos are, you know, cut, you know, telling the line between real and and yeah, scripted and the 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 line between what's real and what's fake is blurry and all that yeah. good stuff. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To and me, you get AW, Jim Ross too. Oh man, Jim Ross. I feel like is yeah. like <laughs> he hates wrestling every he, time I hear him commentate. Yeah. Where's the ref? Dude. It's like, dude, it's and you it's, and you get you don't get worry about and then it. like for old dudes like me, it's like I get to see Tully Blanchard and you get to see Jake sometimes and you yeah. know and and they'll like let Arn take a bump even though he's like you oh, know God. not you yeah. know it's just like that stuff. I I I live for that. Yeah, yeah. I think they're rebuilding Jake something. Kind of promo. I think they're rebuilding something with Tully. I think he's recruiting. New, uh, oh yeah yeah i think it's more roh isn't it yeah so again yeah. I, I don't want to stand here and like give you all my critiques of them and stuff like that i'd rather no. keep it positive I'm just shooting this shit yeah i enjoy the show i'm super psyched this week for punk versus dustin rose like again yeah. just like they give you those matches where like you'd have to beg for it in wwe and hope that maybe in some weird cockamamie storyline eventually you'd get something like you know, you'd get it as gold dust for CM Punk instead of like acknowledging all the, <laughs> you know, all the nuance that's all the like context to, to that. You know, like the story I always tell is in those in the lead up to that Survivor Series with the legends, you know, we were putting Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes on the same team. And all the writers were just like, God, like Vince, like we have to tell this story of like these are like two like bloodlust. Yeah you know arch enemies of of for for 20 years like they had legendary feuds blah, blah. he's like god damn nobody fucking remembers that and it was like, like you just had you would have to beg to get any crunchy context you know to, and that's why i loved cody's promo man because they let him reference his dad show the picture from madison square garden and talk and use the context to build you know to build the case of why i came back and I, yeah. if you saw on Twitter, I, I compared it to when Shane came back and everybody was like, oh, Shane's back. This is an unbelievable moment. Well, his mo that moment sucked, right? If you watch it, he doesn't say anything. He didn't say anything yeah. coherent. He didn't make any coherent case as to why he came back. It was all shrouded in like weird double talk about like something that his father kept in a box and just like all this horse shit. And then you watch Cody's promo and it's like clear, concise context as to here is my mission statement i am here to win the world title to redeem you know this like promise i made to my dad and i can't give him the title so i'm going to put the title around my waist i'm going to do it for my family and for the legacy and for you know for the road's name and it's just like oh i get it i'm i buy i buy in i'm in and that's yep. why and that's why he's going to get over because they they let him talk about the real shit right yeah yeah and yeah. it sets up a story that could last a year or however long. It's like every I mean, match it has now has like a foundation behind it. It has like a reason, which I feel like is something that lacks sometimes. They, in never, so. they never give – that's like the first good why I'm here promo in right. like a decade. A, that's a big difference. Like AEW, Punk comes back, cuts an amazing why I'm here promo, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just – it's out, you know, it's it's different ways of doing things. And I'm, I'm glad WWE, everyone, you know – every once in a while we'll do it but then you know then you have then you have uh, you know braun braun breaker and it's just like they won't let him they'll have him introduce his father at the hall of fame but then they won't really they won't go all the way with letting yeah. him be a signer and it's just like that's what every, that's all people want is wear the singlet do the dog bark run around the ring do yeah. the suplexes 
yeah. and be the son of, of, you know, continue the Steiner legacy. And they just fight against this stuff that would just make them a ton of money. Yeah. I, I just don't understand it a lot of times. Same, yeah. you, I mean, the same with like Curtis Axel was just like a huge ball drop, right? Like right. Yeah. They, that, that could have, e- they could have easily just embraced the, the perfect thing, given him the singlet and yeah. just like, let him go. And he would have gotten over. Yeah. Yeah, I think Charlotte Flair is a pretty good example because it's like she right. references the the family, but also does her own thing. Charlotte's one like that. That's again no consistency. They do it with Charlotte. They do it with Natty. They do yeah. it with Randy Orton. They do it with Cody, but then they won't do it with Braun Breaker, and they won't do it with Curtis Axel, and they won't and they won't do you know. Um, there's uh, there's Ted just DiBiase. Yeah, Tamina, second generation dudes. Like even yeah. even the guy on 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 NXT who's like the son of Bo Beverly. It's it's like tell us that, you know, right. or like the son of Bull yeah. Buchanan. Like there's these second generation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like tell us that. Let tell that story. I would immediately care. Yeah, yeah. That'd be too easy. Yeah. So, whatever. That's yeah. me on my soapbox. The name changes just drive me crazy. Like why is Austin Watch. Theory just theory? What what does that do for anybody? The name thing, like I get I get hung up on um, gear and names and like little things like that. Just Theme songs. Crazy. I'd be I, if I ran a promotion, I would I swear I would be like Bill Watts, man. Not the racist part, but like I would be <laughs> like the, I would be like the the curmudgeon who is like, well, your opponent's wearing black tights. You you need to take off your you know like you need to change your your gear and yeah. be. A different color like i you know things like that drive me crazy when it's like dudes that look like a tag team are wrestling yeah but those details matter though they, they add up especially when it's a bunch of yeah. little things like that so. and if you've been watching it for as long as we have like you see those things and you just ask yourself like why yeah you it's know? Just, like, you know it's quality control and yeah um they, they want to own the name copyrights and all that and my theory is always just like you would make all the money back that you would make on royalties for owning the name yeah on the fact that joe hennig would get get over huge and become a big marketable superstar for you if you let him be like joe perfect for instance yeah and you know and they're like oh well we don't want to put that on you know we don't want to put that burden on him well you put it on randy orton and look how he turned out you put it on charlotte flair look how she turned out you put it on natty She's yep. literally the guinness book of world records for the longest tenured you know superstar whatever so it's just like what do you, you're cutting your nose to spite your face so many times. It's like yeah. Braun Breaker is like the most egregious one. This dude could be. Yeah. Gigantic. Just give him the last name. If yeah. you just let him be like, you know, whatever you want to, whatever mishmash you want to do with it, like Braun Steiner or whatever, just like, it's so easy. And they, it's just, yeah. they, they overthink it and, and everything's a money grab. And I think on the back end, they would make all that money anyway. Yeah, because he would yeah. go and main he he'd go and main event WrestleMania. Absolutely. And now because he could do not, it now, he could he certainly that's still his ceiling. But like, I think it's a harder road. Yeah. 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 Roman Reigns. Here's the, they gave you know he's got the name that they own. That's cool. That you know, but oh. they let him acknowledge that he comes from the Samoan dynasty. So just like at least acknowledge it, let him say I'm a Steiner. Yeah, acknowledge let him. Do him. the Steiner thing, you know. So anyway, yeah. Soapbox. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, you brought up Cody. My opinion, 
I don't think there's a better person to beat Roman. What do you think? Yeah, I hope they take it slow. I hope um, I hope they don't do it at like an unmeaningful time. I hope we don't get the match a thousand different ways before we get the match. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's the that would be amazing. I mean, the money is the rock is Roman rock at WrestleMania. Like I'm the head of the table. And then the rocks like, no, no, no. I built the fucking table. Like the table's mine. It's, you know, like I, I, um, and just let them do their thing, especially going back to them in Philly with the booze and, you know, rock being like, Whoa, what's going on? Trying trying to give Roman the rub and it not working and telling that whole story. Um, that's the money. But yeah. I think with Cody there, I mean, they're desperate need of, of mark of like money baby faces. And I think Cody fits that bill. And, you know, it's just hard because they're on the, they're on TV so much that it's really yeah. hard. The like Cody's fresh now, but six months from now, is it going to be as cool? Probably not. No. So, you know, I just hope that uh, they make it, you know, I hope when they do do it, uh, you know, if they're going to take the title off, you know, what, it's been 600 days. If they're going to do it, make it mean something. Yeah. Don't just flip it to Cody and then give it right back to Roman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like he needs to lose before Rock, but he's going to carry it into WrestleMania. He's going to have the title. I would but hope so. I would hope yeah. so. In LA, like, let's, you know, come on. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, that doesn't, I mean, that's a main event with or without the title. So it's, that's another good just, point you know, have Cody or whoever be the champion and that be a separate thing. And then you can still headline and plus it's two nights WrestleMania. So a lot of, a lot yeah. of ways they could go with that. But yeah, I think either, yeah. you know, Cody drew McIntyre, even like Jay Uso. There's a story there, Seth Rollins. So, yeah. Um, I got to wrap it up soon, but yeah. I want to I ask you guys a question that I've been playing with in my mind. Hell yeah. Let's do it. This is how we'll end it. Here you go. So this is a, clearly a hypothetical, but it, there's, it could have happened. In the negotiations where, you know, Vince and Bruce fly down to Cody and say, and, you know, sort of like make the deal happen to bring him in. At some point, you have to imagine that somebody asks the question, a Nick Khan, somebody asks the question like, uh, hey, uh, who, hey, Cody, uh, who from, from AEW should we, should we uh, be interested in? Who should we bring over? Right? Like at some point, don't you think like that yeah. might come up of like, Who's the guy? Who's the real deal over there that like could that could make us some money? So if you're Cody and you're sitting at a table with Bruce, Vince, and Nick Khan, and they say, "Hey guys, who for me? Who from AEW? Give me one guy that we're gonna bring over and put through the WWE machine and 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 really make a superstar." Yeah. That's easy for me. I've said it before on this podcast. Wardlow is Vince's wet dream. He is perfect for WWE. So. You and you and I would get along. I, Wardlow, I think Wardlow. Yeah. I, I tweeted it, man. Wardlow is the money, man. Yeah, dude. That, Let's do that it. Promo he cut that first babyface p- promo he cut was amazing. Like I didn't realize that dude can talk so well. Plus his his aesthetic, his wrestling. Yeah. Like he has it all. Like there's no reason he shouldn't be the biggest star in wrestling soon. Um, okay, let's take Wardlow out because he's like the prototype. Yeah, yeah. He do you is. think like an M? Do you think you know? Obviously, everybody talks about MJF. Do you think MJF comes 
to WWE and, and they do they do you think they ruin it or do you think they make it better? It'd be because I mean, MJF, like a lot of his character is very like vulgar and very like stuff that I don't think would fly under the WWE umbrella. So I'd be curious. I mean, I think he would be able to work around it. He seems like a talented enough guy. Um, but that's I think it's something that's bound to happen sooner or later. So yeah. we'll see. But I, my, my money's on him succeeding if he does do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a good I mean, th- question. Those are the two. But I have to imagine some form of that question, even if not in front of Vince, maybe like privately Bruce was, you know, somebody was just like, who should, who's you have like, to. Yeah. who should we, you know, be paying attention to? Like Sammy Guevara, though, I, you know, I just don't think no. stature wise that he's yeah. ever going to get to a point where Vince is going to care. Yeah. Um, I think Same Jay- with Hook too. Jade Cargill yeah. is another one I think would be. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. great. I yes, exactly. I think Jade they they would. I and then my sleeper is is uh, Luchasaurus. I think Vince would make million like literally print money with Luchasaurus in terms yeah. of toys and shirts yeah. and catchphrases and and cartoons and the whole thing. I think Vince. I think Vince would crush it with a dude like that. Yeah. I think he, cool. he was in NXT for a second, but that was before yeah. the mask and the gimmick and maybe, you know, the just big wasn't there. brother, right? Wasn't he on big brother? He was, yeah, yes. big, yeah. No, I've just, it's cool to fantasy book uh, stuff like that. Yes. It's yeah. on all of our text chains with, with all of our wrestling nerd friends. And so uh, this was great to guys. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm... Let's give the people they, what they want really quick. Where can they find you? Yeah, man. Uh, on Twitter at Angegold, A-N-G-E-G-O-L-D. Feel free on Instagram. It's at Goldstein Andrew. Uh, G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N, Andrew. And then I just, uh, I'm a t- you know TV showrunner and writer and producer. And so I made this show last year and it just dropped last week and episode two dropped this week. It's a game show on Complex. Um, Complex's YouTube called Top Gen, hosted by the comedian Akash Singh. And it's really funny. It's, it's Gen Z versus millennials versus Gen X versus boomers yeah. in the trivia in everybody else's trivia. And so um, it, there's a lot of ball busting. There's a lot of just like millennials not knowing who Frank Sinatra is and, and boomers not knowing who Drake is. And it's just, a, it's yeah. a really, it's a lot of fun. It's called top gen. Um, I, if you go to my Twitter, it's, it's all over there, but it's on complexes, YouTube and um you know, I would love, I would love to get those views up. So uh, check out top. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Andrew. I would love to come back. I just, Oh uh, yeah. Maybe we'll get top. Chris next let's, time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Let, let's yeah. do it like a tag team. That would be great. I love Dunn. He's, he's become yeah, a, buddy. he's a good dude. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The, I always say like, it doesn't matter if you were on creative with the person or not. It's just like you have shared experience and shit. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a family, almost, like Vietnam veterans who like didn't serve <laughs> together, but like they, right. they, they, they kind of have a short a shorthand with each other and like shared experience and shared trauma so um yeah you know feel free to book me with done i would love that kyle where can the people find you real quick yeah real quick Uh, apron bump podcast uh apron bump and uh this has been brought to you by yum yum donuts in warminster pennsylvania yes sir (laughs) come on down well that's the end of the interview thanks again for tuning in andrew and kyle thanks again for coming on you can follow us on twitter at the uw pod and instagram at uw podcast we do have a youtube channel log on to youtube check out the interviews a lot of good ones again thank you for tuning in peace 
Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.